Um, so glad you're here. God bless you. This is like, a, this is very exciting. Um, Sunday morning I'm talking about. It's like um, my mom used to have the whole family over for Sunday dinner on Sunday nights. And there's some joy that when the whole table's full and, and you're just where you need to be with people who love you. And, and that's, that's what we do here all the time. So I'm, I'm grateful for you. Um, and I mean, am I the only one who noticed that that greeting time could probably go on for like two hours? Because there's so much love to give. And, and, and if you're love hungry, you're in the right place. You're in the right place because at some level we all are. And I'm just grateful that, that God pours that through us. So um, before you get a different message, let me dismiss the kids. Um, children's church time, you're between the ages of three and fifth grade, then uh, you win because you don't have to listen to me. You have the gospel happening upstairs. It's happening down here. We're so grateful for you. Happy Father's Day. If you're a dad, um, we just uh, celebrate you today. It's a great thing. Um, and uh, the mantle on you is, is important and it's heavy, um, but it's not meant for you to carry. Um, Jesus will carry it for you, um, through you. Um, take it seriously. It's a great thing. Love on your dads. Um, call him if he's not around. If you didn't have a great dad who reflected the character of God, um, you have one in the Father. Um, and there are, there are men in this church who serve that role for me. Um, so um, let's connect some more. Good. Um, my Father's Day gift is Shri's Aunt Sarah is here. I love you. There's a shout out. Um, you know, some family, you kind of flinch and you don't know. No, this is great. So thank you. Um, and <laughs> you're with us like through the beginning of the week, right? Yeah. Um, I also got an early Father's Day gift. They bought me a bike. I got a, like a townie, and I'm really excited about it. I made a commitment because I know, you know, I, I need to get healthy. I need to. So I'm riding my bike to work, to Western, um, in the mornings and back in the afternoon. And you know, you know you really need the exercise when your first day riding to work, a member of the church pulls over on a busy street, rolls the window down, wants to make sure that your cars are still operational. Do you, do you need anything? Um, some prayer, maybe? Um, a ride? God bless you for doing that, but I got the message. I did. Um, uh, Isaiah 55. That's where we're going to start out. We're going to touch on a few scriptures this morning, um, but Isaiah 55 is where you want to be uh, to start out with. Uh, we are in week four of our summer series, True Lies, in which we take a look at some common but warped ways of thinking that even good Christians um, believe, but their lies uh, often about God, about his character, about how he loves, about how we are to respond and live in light of that truth. So we're taking on a true lie every week. And, and before we dig into that lie and, and, and the scriptures um, related to it, I just, I want us, it's important that we revisit this from time to time and remember that every commandment in God's word is there to line us up with the way he created us, with the way he created the universe to work, to line us up with that, to line us up with, with life and love and light and freedom and joy and, and the way he, he called us. So when we look at scripture, when we look at the commandments of God, 
It is important that we realize that they are not ways to oppress us, to hold us down, to cramp our style or whatever you have you. Um, it is to set you free and, and lead you and me into joy. So the people who look at following Jesus Christ as, as a list of confining, constraining rules, no. Um, it's because we have a tendency to get out of line and line us up. So, um, and to set us free from sin. So that's good. Um, you ready for this week's true lie? Sure. Tom, you've been up here 10 minutes. Let's do it. Um, here it is. Here is the true lie. I must choose between chasing God and chasing pleasure. The lie is I must choose between chasing God and, and chasing pleasure. And that's a lie. Um, and so many of us, at one level or another, really believe it, um, regardless of whether you have a relationship with Jesus Christ or not. Um, we believe we must choose between chasing God and, and chasing pleasure. Here's what I mean. When you do one well, you're doing the other. When you do one well, you're doing the other. Um, let me unpack that. Uh, when, you're, when you're chasing Jesus with all your heart, what you're doing is seeking and finding the ultimate joy and pleasure. When you are good at seeking joy and pleasure, when you're serious about it, you're going to end up with the ultimate pleasure, which is knowing Jesus Christ. Now, um, what we're going to do is back up a little bit and start with a crude but effective um, metaphor. It's sort of an allegory about something that I am a bit of an authority on. Ice cream. Um, Sheree saw this parked like under my seat. She's like, why did you buy all that ice cream? It's Father's Day. It's Father's Day. So we're going to talk about ice cream. Let's pretend for a moment that enjoying the fullness of ice cream is the purpose of human existence. Wake up, Marge. This is going to be good. He's preaching on heaven. Um, imagine that enjoying the richness and fullness of ice cream is the purpose of human existence, but the vast, the vast majority of people, the vast majority of people are failing in this and finding pleasure because they're spending all their money and their effort now eating this stuff. Okay, now I was not able to find the one I was looking for, which is the five-gallon variety, a paint bucket full with white frozen stuff. Okay, this is, this is the best I could do. I think they call it the party bucket, the party pail. What do you put in a pail and a bucket? Not things that we eat. Not things that we enjoy. Now, if this is in your home freezer, I'm not, I'm not busting on you. Exactly. But it's here for a purpose. Um, this is like, I'm referring to the, the five-gallon, quote, ice cream, unquote. This is not truly ice cream. This is the first cousin of shaving cream, Okay. <laughs> The first thing that should tip you off is it costs less than the same amount of milk. 
right? Does anybody see a problem there? You're going to go to a restaurant and order the omelet that costs less than an egg? No, because what this is, really, is, is Walmart generic coffee creamer frozen mixed with pond water and pumped up with more air than a bounce house, okay? This is not what you're looking for. This is not what you're looking for. So the vast majority of people are spending their time, their energy, their money, their lives to buy the five-gallon version of, of this frozen industrial waste. Now, um, and we ask questions about why does this not deliver on the promise? Why do I not experience the, the pleasure and the joy that obviously I was created to have because the purpose of life is enjoying the, the fullness of ice cream? Okay, this is an allegory. I don't want emails about life is not about ice cream. I know. It's an example. It's close, but it's not really. Maybe what I need is a different flavor of this. No, you don't. Maybe what I need is more of this. Really? No. The reason that you're not getting the pleasure and the joy is because this can never give it to you. It is the party pail. It's not the... It's not what you were designed for. What you seek is ice cream of the super premium variety. What you really want. Look, I can only give you what's in my own fridge. You know what I'm saying? You're you're fishing in a shallow pond here with me. What you really want is uh, either Haagen-Dazs or Ben & Jerry's. Haagen-Dazs specializes in the ice cream itself. The the, the base, if you will, the luxurious, velvety, the subtleties of flavor in the cream, okay? That's what you're looking for in the Haagen-Dazs. When you go to Ben & Jerry's, they specialize in the mix-ins. Very generous, very creative, um, give you the textural variety without competing with the cream. So... Um, That's what you're wanting. That's what you're hungering for. And you say, this costs as much as this. I can't afford this. Well, here's the great good news. The inventor and manufacturer of this loves you so much that he's providing it free, all you can eat for the rest of your life. Only one condition. And at great personal expense, one condition, you don't go back to this. You don't go back to this because it will never deliver on the promise. It can't. It is a cheap counterfeit and imitation of the real deal. And the fact that you can't afford it is not an issue because he's afforded it for you. Everybody here know we're not talking about ice cream? Okay, good, good. Like Preston, I love you, bud. Would you do me a favor? Would you put this in the freezer? Because my lunch is melting. Okay, so thank you. Thank you. Um, You're saying, okay, ice cream, new bike, 
Something's not jiving here. Hey, we're all in some process of sanctification. This is the gospel in ice cream. That is the gospel in ice cream. Um, Our endless search to find pleasure, to find joy in everything that can never satisfy us. Uh, If you think I'm making this up, let's let's look at Isaiah 55. Uh, We're going to pick it up at verse 2. This is God using the same kind of analogy. Okay? Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Does everybody here know we're not talking about food? Yeah. We're not, we're not talking about what's in your pantry. We're talking about what's in your heart. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen to me. Eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Here it is. Incline your ear. Lean to me that you might hear my voice calling you to do what? Shop differently? Now come to me. I am what you're hungering and thirsting for. I am the deep pleasure that you're trying to find in so many different ways. And every pleasure that you find out there that has any truth to it is ultimately pointing you back to me. Come to me. I am the source of all true joy. I invented pleasure I invented you to find your greatest, ultimate pleasure in me. That's what God is saying. Only I satisfy. Only I satisfy. So please come home. Please come home. Put the five-gallon bucket away and come home. But if you're anything like me, if you're anything like me, You're bound to get this all twisted up from time to time, quite often, and think I have to choose between chasing after God and chasing after pleasure. And isn't that the misconception that keeps people from coming to Jesus? Deep down, deep down, most of us know. I mean, even even professed atheists, most of us know that there's a God, right? But what we don't want to do is come to him too soon because then we will miss out on so many other pleasures that we'll have to give up if we come to God. So we're going to get that all out of the way and then we'll deal with this spiritual hunger. And what God is saying is everything that you would have to give up is is the five-gallon bucket of frozen pond water. Because what I have, even the wonderful blessings that I have poured out on you already, point to me. And I 
have the richest of food for you, for you. Um, it's not true. Jesus is the ultimate pleasure we all seek. And, and maybe you're not far from Jesus. Maybe, maybe you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been for most of your life. But isn't this, to some degree, isn't this what keeps us, this true life, from really pressing in deep and going further and surrendering more and sacrificing more and saying, Jesus, you're all in Isn't that what it is? Because we think that we'll be missing out on something else. And I, and I know this not only from my own life, but I, I talk to people. You remember um, uh, Canning? Uh, I think that was the name of the guy who predicted the end of the world, right? Um, last month. Um, and I, I think I missed it. Um, but it, it, it started a lot of buzz and people were talking about, um, okay, if I knew the world was going to end, what, and I really believed it, what would you do? Like, I'm talking to, like, devoted Christian kids who've, like, you know, true love, weights, and all that stuff. What are you going to do? Well, man, I'm going to have sex. Really? Out of marriage? Yeah, man, I'm going to hook up with everybody I've always wanted to. If, if it's all going to end. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to go party. I'm going to, really? Does that mean that you really believe that there are pleasures worth having apart from God? There is no pleasure worth having apart from God. Um, Jesus Christ is the pleasure we seek. We're blind to that so often. Um, where does this start? Where do we get this, um, the seed? Where, did the, where was this born? Um, Genesis 3.6. Genesis 3.6, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was also desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. So our first parents believed that, that God was holding out, that there was more pleasure apart from God than there was within God and, and the way he had lined things up to work. And ever since, um, we've been doing the same thing. Um, so that is the seed of, of seeking pleasure apart from God. Um, and what keeps this alive is two things. What keeps this whole idea of I have to choose between chasing God and chasing pleasure alive are two different things. One is the culture, the culture in which we live. Um, our culture loves to paint followers of Jesus Christ as uptight, legalistic killjoys who look like they've been sucking on lemons. And the reason for this is that there are many Christians who are uptight, legalistic killjoys who look like they've been sucking on lemons. And the media likes to make fun of this. You doubt me? Um, I'm going to show my age. Think of the preacher dad, right, in Footloose. Really? Really? Okay, that's like the caricature. Uh, angry moralist looks down on everybody seems to think the essence of the gospel is try to find somebody who's having fun somewhere and put a stop to it. Okay, a little more recent, you have the preacher dad from um, A Walk to Remember, right? I think it's Quincy's favorite movie, or, or it's up there, right? Now, this, have you seen it? Have you seen it 17 times? I have. <laughs> you know, I'd do anything to spend time with my girl, that's it. Um, but he is a sourpuss, 
hyper strict dude who always looks like he just got a wedgie. Really? really? And I could go on and on. You, you don't need me to, to show you um, Ned Flanders, right? Okay. Ned, Fra- the church lady. Um, any nun in any movie except Sister Act. Okay? Um, so the media, our culture, likes to um, keep this myth alive that you can seek God or seek pleasure, but not, not both. Um, and the other thing that keeps this myth alive and kicking is um, misguided Christians. Um, we have some who mistakenly think that, that all pleasure is bad. Um, it's not. God invented it. Um, the ultimate source of all true pleasure is, is himself. And where we get tricked up, where we, get, where we step on the landmine, is not following his word, not listening to him, um, taking these joys and pleasures and using them um, for our own gain uh, at the wrong time, in the wrong amount, with the wrong person. Um, you, you following with me? Most of the sin, most of the sin that you and I wrestle with has its seed in being a counterfeit of something that is truly good and pleasurable that God has provided if it's used according to his purposes. And all of these things, all of these, every, every beautiful person, every um, wonderful meal, every breathtaking vista, every incredible song, every, I mean, you name it, in its fullest measure, points back to God, leads our hearts back to the source of all great, true, pure pleasure. So the problem isn't seeking God or seeking pleasure, but seeking the wrong pleasures, seeking counterfeit pleasures, seeking five-gallon tubs of white frozen mess, and thinking we just need more of that or in a different flavor. And so there's a, a lot of Christians who get that wrong and think that all pleasure, no, no. All twisted pleasure is just a cheap imitation of what God has implanted in you to draw you to himself, to well up praise within you. Or we have another stripe of Christian who knows they should be experiencing full pleasure and full joy and is not. And so they act like they are. We call this Christian Jesus happy feel good, right? And this person will, uh, you know, and if you are this person, there's grace here for you. You can be real, okay? Jesus wants to heal you of that. You know the person of, of whom I speak. How are you doing? Oh, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Well, that's great. Um, My cat just got run over by a motorcycle gang. Well, glory be, I can't, I can't wait to see how God's going to use that for his glory. Yeah, and I just lost my job. Well, turn that frown upside down. Really? Really? Don't fake it. Nobody's fooled. Press on to the genuine article. 
press on to the genuine article. God invented pleasure. God invented joy. He is the source of all true pleasure and joy. And because Jesus is the inventor and source of true pleasure and joy, stands to reason that the closer you are to Jesus, the more pleasure and joy you're going to experience. Um, we're going to take two quick examples, one from the Old Testament, one to the New, and then we'll, and then we'll close. First one, turn to Psalms 16. 16. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 16. We're going to... Um, I'll wait for you to to get there, because I want you to see this. We're going to pick it up in verse 8. And pick it up in verse 8, and, and, and David is, um, is writing. He, is, he says in verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me. The Lord is the ultimate source, okay? Because he is at my right hand, image of very close, very close, can't be closer. I shall never be shaken, 9, says, therefore, my heart is what? Is glad, right? And my what? Say it with me. Whole being rejoices. Okay, the stuff that you're finding, the stuff that you're chasing, does it give you that heart gladness, that whole being rejoice? No, it's only found in God. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Get verse 11. This is huge. This is it. This is it. For you make known to me the path of life. You line me up with the way it's supposed to be, the way it's supposed to happen, the way you created the universe, the way you created me to work, right? And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy, which means it can't get any more intense. It can't get any better than it is in your presence and at your right hand. Where are they? At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That is incredible. The ultimate rapturous pleasure of knowing God deeply and knowing that he loves you incredibly. New Testament example. Turn to John 15. John 15. Jesus, um, Jesus is speaking to us here. Pick it up in, uh, in verse 9. We need to see this. We need to know this. He says, as, okay, stop there. As, this means in the same way, just like, to the same degree, okay? As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide, live, don't move from Live in, stay in, root yourself in my love. Stop there. Do you, don't let that get away from you. In the same way, to the same degree that the Father loves me, I love you, so I want you there. Why? Because in my presence is fullness of joy. That's the deepest pleasure. You're not going to find anything better. 
All the things that you think are out there apart from me, find their fullness in me. How much would you say, God the Father loves Jesus? How, how much would you say that God the Father loves Jesus? Can you, can you even begin to describe it? He submits all authority, all, all creation to him. He adores him. He, his fellowship with him is, is the closest there could be. The, the, it's the incredible love relationship, right? In the same way, in the same measure, with the same commitment, with the same zeal. I love you. I love you that much if you and I not only got it here, but got it here and abide in that. If we dwell on that, everything changes. You can experience incredible joy, incredible pleasure, incredible peace in the knowledge of God's nearness and love. Even if your circumstances don't change. What are 99% of our prayers? And they're not bad prayers. God change my circumstances. Because then I'll have peace. Then I'll have joy. Then I'll find pleasure. Remove this rock. Stop this from happening. And he says... I may very well do that. But I may very well not for reasons that you won't know until you get home. Regardless, incline your ear to me. Lean over. Get real close so you can hear my voice saying, come home. Because regardless of those circumstances, regardless of how I work in them, regardless of how long it takes, there is fullness of joy for you in knowing I am for you. And I love you. Not in this general, weak, watered-down, warm feeling. The same way the Father loves Jesus, Jesus loves you. Right here, right now, with all your baggage, with all your junk, with all your Christian happy feel good, I'm doing better, please believe this, than I really am. He loves you. And I submit to you, as Jesus does, if you and I can grasp and stand on that, you can have pleasure and joy when the world is falling apart around you. Or we can seek escape and comfort and self-medication and anesthetizing all the pain in destructive ways and lose out on joy and lose out on God. And the vast 
majority of people in the world and in the church are doing just that. And we can believe and still think, I gotta find my own pleasure. You seek a God who invented it. You think of the most pleasurable things you've ever experienced in your life. He invented that. And chances are, you've enjoyed it in its watered down, counterfeit, destructive form. Imagine if you could have the genuine article. He's gone to great personal expense to provide it for you for free. One condition. You gotta stop buying the five gallon bucket of frozen slop. That's the call on your life and that's the call on mine. C.S. Lewis, I love him. Um, well, in a God, a manly kind of way. He's, he's dead, so nothing's happening. Don't worry about it. Um, he wrote this. If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. Our problem is that we are far too easily pleased. Can, can we be honest for a second? Sin is fun. Okay? Don't, don't really, please, don't, don't get angry with me. It's true. If it wasn't, would, would, would we all be attracted to it as much as we are? It is, it, it can be fun but it is a cheap imitation. It is a counterfeit. And God wants to deliver us from it, not to take something away and leave us empty, but to replace it with the thing it tries to be, but can never deliver on. He does not want pleasures for you and for me that will ultimately destroy us and take us away from him. He wants pleasures that point to him and fill us with never-ending joy. No shame, no guilt, no hangover, no, no need for repentance. Just the real deal. Do you have to choose between chasing God and chasing pleasure? Not if you're serious about being a pleasure seeker. Not if you're serious about it. If you want to play little league t-ball 
in seeking pleasure? Well, sin will do. But if you want to be serious about it, join the major leagues, then find God because he's the source of all of it. And nothing else will ever, ever satisfy. So um, following Jesus is not for people who are running away from pleasure and joy. Following Jesus is for people who take it very seriously. That's what I want for me. And that's what I want for you because that's what God wants for us. Jesus came on his rescue mission that you might have joy and have it in all its fullness. He goes on in in verse 10 and 11, he says, abide my love. Um, These things I've spoken to you that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. I came, I lived, I died in your place for your sins, not to remove your joy, but to allow you to find it in me. And as I rise again, let me give that new life to you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. So what do we do? What do we do? This week, pray that God would show you the joy of his presence. Simple prayer. Jesus, let me experience the joy of your presence and press into him in worship, time in his word, time with his people, in reflection, in, in, in praise, however you do it. This week, in addition to praying, Go through your life, go through your day and let every good pleasure point you back to its ultimate source and praise him. Praise him. Third thing, last thing. As you look at the things that your heart is drawn to for pleasure, that lead you farther from God. See it for the counterfeit it is. And repent of that. Which means do a U-turn and run for the joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. Let's pray.